Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everyone? Happy New Year, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. Okay, Laura, wrong answers only. Who's representing the Blue Jackets in the 2024 NHL All-Star Game? Emil Bamstrom. Interesting. See, <laughs> I... <laughs> um, my my answer is Jake Christensen. So welcome in, everybody, <laughs> uh, to this edition of Subjectively Speaking. Uh, we did the introductions. I'm Jeremy. That's Laura. Laura, hey again. Hey. How's it going? Is this the official you're asking me how it's going? No. Okay. This is not that one. We talked about this. We had this pregame note. We know we're not doing that today. We knew. We've been new. Oh, I sort of forgot about that. Um, good. Good. This is why we don't plan the show, folks. Because when we do, <laughs> one of the co-hosts forgets. And it it does generally switch back and forth pretty regularly. It's never just like one of us <laughs> forgets the show flow. Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad good. to hear that. I love that. How how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Same here. Same here. We're being coy because before we started recording, I said, let's swap out how we're normally doing for our New Year's resolutions. It's the new year. We're here and we always like to start the show by just chit-chatting with you all, catching up on life, letting you into the mess that really kind of is the life that we live outside of the show. And we would like to do that again today. We've got some new year's resolutions for you. Um, let us know what yours are. Let us know. Um, you know where to do that. Laura will remind you later if you've forgotten, but I don't think you have. So Laura, I have to ask, we're going into 2024. 2024 is like, a pretty big year just like across the board in the world and all of this kind of stuff. Like 2024 is a big one. And so, well, actually, let me ask you this. Like, are you a resolution person? Like, is that your vibe? Is it your shtick? Or like, have you always like straight away from it? Like what's been your resolution vibe? Um, It definitely depends on the headspace that I am in as to whether or not I do a resolution. I will say that, like, sometimes, and no one will be surprised about this, that, like, resolutions for me often are related to, like, negative self-talk. So they're not always, like, (laughs) they're not always, like, the healthiest situation for me. Um, But it just depends. And sometimes they're, like, ultra serious and completely out of, like, range of possibility. And other times, like this evening they're like a little bit more attainable um but yeah it just depends I don't think it's a bad thing to set goals um but like it is one of those things where you don't have to feel like if you don't start something in January that like you can't or that if right you know because technically you get a new start every single day so it doesn't have to just be on January 1st but I think people just need closure. I think people are so obsessed with the idea of closure in any capacity. And so I think the idea of a year ending and like a new one beginning leaves open this like, 
radical idea that like this is the only time in which i can make goals for myself for this upcoming year and like if i don't do it now then what's the point and it's like that's yeah, not exactly it but like the idea i understand it but it's just yeah I, i'm with you it doesn't have to start if you're somebody like me where it's like i let me get through the new year starting before i even start to think about like who i'm wanting to be in this year then that's okay uh because this part of the year is hectic so like if you didn't have it figured out jan one don't worry because a lot of us don't so uh all yeah. sorts of room for resolutions throughout the year i spent most of my 20s setting resolutions that were like this is the year i'm gonna lose blah blah, blah pounds or i'm gonna do blah, blah blah you know for whatever and really was just like if i don't do it this year i'm never gonna do it or this is finally the year and like it's such like terrible thought process to have because also as you get older, you begin to understand that time is a social construct and like, it really is like, yes, it's important to mark the passing of time, but I am starting to teach myself and to embrace and learn that like, you're not incapable of change no matter when you are, when you are in the year or where you are in your life and it just is super toxic and damaging to be like if it doesn't happen now it's never happening so yeah you know that kind of stuff so yes people time is a social construct and don't beat yourself up and give yourself grace and let me i will tell you i'm the worst person at this the worst but i'm trying well, with all of that being said, what's your New Year's resolution? <laughs> so I have two, one that I won't say, um, but the other one that's a little bit more attainable is I like, so I don't feel totally bad about this, but like, I don't know if you've noticed it, um, like on TikTok or on Facebook or Instagram where people were posting like their books read in oh, 2023. Yeah. And, like, people in my life were reading, like, 40, 50 books in a year. Insane. Like, I don't remember the last time I read a full book, like, which is terrible because I used to read all the time. But I don't feel super bad about that because my life exists solely through podcasts, like, vastly different podcasts from like true crime to historical to like all this sort of stuff, which I consider kind of like audiobooks audio books. Yeah. I'm learning and you know, things sure. are narrative and whatnot, but like, I really want to get back and I think I'm probably going to have oppor opportunities to based on how this year is looking to read a book. Yeah. Um, so I really, I'm setting like a small goal. Okay. Four books. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you thinking like switching up like multiple genres? Are you thinking like, what's the vibe? I'm, I'm thinking like, I'll probably switch up genres because I like a, like much like podcasts. I like a wide variety of different kinds of books. Um, mostly I used, I, there was a stint of like five years where people would make fun of me because the only section I would buy books from is the like memoir section. And it was always oh, about, yeah. it was always about people who had like just the craziest lives. Like 
drug addicts, you know, people who like, I read a book once about a girl who grew up in a mortuary, like all these sort of like people who survived the Holocaust. Like I just am drawn to people who have difficult lives, much like I'm drawn to broken men. Like it just (laughs) like, I love a story. Um, (laughs) But there is a lot in there that I'm hoping you you get to work out on Thursdays. Yes. Um actually Mondays are my regular appointments except for this week. So oh, never um, mind. Sorry, it was a funny joke until it wasn't. <laughs> Trust me, Erica's got enough to uh suss through with me right now. I don't think we can um talk about my story dating life. Um at Hear least me for out. a little while. Erica and Ashley have their own podcast <laughs> as our therapists. <laughs> I think it would be pretty successful, to be honest. Um, it can just be called objectively speaking. It's literally just their medical opinions about what is wrong with us. Yeah. I think that would be great. I can't wait. Um, but no, I'm hoping to dive in a little bit more into fiction. Um, you should read the book that like is a big deal on book talk, which is like the thing that hockey got wrapped up in. I forget what it's called, but I, oh, my friend, my friends, I, Brie and Allison have read it and I can't remember the name of it. Oh, this is, I'm lying to people. I did read a book in 2023. And was it that one? No, it, but it was another smutty book. Oh, like, oh okay. Damn. She said, <laughs> No, I mean, that's what it's called. No, I mean, I know. romance, I'm just, I'm smut, just or whatever. Yeah, I'm um, And it was called, like, the... It was something about a scientist and his lab assistant. or something. It was it was good, but it was just a smutty, like, easy situation. Um, but, yeah, I think I'll... I don't really love self-help books. Like, I don't mind, like, Brene Brown stuff, but... I went again through a lot of time where I was reading really like toxic self-help books where it was like, here's how you change your life. And it's like not great advice because everyone's life is different. So, um, but yeah, I just want to read four books and that's my, that's my new year's resolution. I think that so many people carry so many little nuggets of wisdom that any one self-help book is like never going to be enough (laughs) to cure what I have going on, but also like to be representational of, like you said, the whole person. So I hear you on that. Like, but also thank you for throwing me the Brene Brown bone because I, you know that I love her dearly. Oh yeah. I love her too. Like She's she's good though. I'm pretty sure in my old office at Ohio State Newark, that quote that I wrote of hers on the whiteboard is probably still there. Because even when I moved out of that office, they never wiped it off. So naturally, it's probably... I have a book on my on my shelf that I still have not read that I bought because the author was a guest on Brene Brown's podcast. And... Um, it's, I believe it's called Why Won't You Apologize? And it's by uh, Harriet Lerner, I think is their name. Something mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about like the art of apologizing and like what is like, and I kind of like, that's the kind of self-help book that I'm like interested in reading. Cause I'm like, what is like, the, that's like an area of interest for me. Cause I think that relationships are interesting. And so like that to me seems fun um this is not a a book 
podcast and i can't even pretend that it is because i think between the two of us we read three books in 2023 so it's going great um yeah yeah so what's your new year's resolution thank you so much for asking i feel like every time we do that as a transition i feel like i am like the person who you just try to you just try to get away from it as quickly as possible no 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 no. it's not even that i feel like i'm the person who like walks into a room and like makes a statement hoping that you're going to then ask me a question about the statement that i just made (laughs) i feel like such an attention whore because i know the question's coming because like it has to right like we're like that's the art of a podcast and so i'm like (laughs) interesting that you have new year's (laughs) resolutions laura (laughs) waiting for you to be like oh my god jeremy do you (laughs) like that's how i feel sometimes um it's always so like if if i ever am awkward in any of our show it's then it's like in the get to know how you're doing question when you then have to ask me because i never know how to stop talking about it so you can ask me so here we are um i think my thing is i for there are probably a lot of folks who are listening to this podcast who have like moved places before. I think my new year's resolution is this is the first time. And I was thinking about this and I think you can relate up to a certain point, but like this is the first time since I graduated from college. No, from high school that I haven't had to like move if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like every time, like I have not gone more than a year without like moving since 2015, which is kind of insane to think about, but this is the first year that I'm not moving. And like, even when I've stayed in the same city, like I moved twice in Athens three times, if you include when I moved there originally, but like I, I moved every year. Um, I was there for three years, but I moved every year. Here, I've been here for two years now, a little over, and I actually get the chance to not move. Like, this apartment that I've been in for a year will be my apartment for another year, and that's so nice because it gives me a chance, I feel like, to actually, like, go through all of my shit. All of it. And if you don't know me, you don't know that I have a lot of shit. Um, and it's not shit. It's like actually really meaningful and valuable things in in like sentimental value. Um, and so I think that there is just like, I'm starting this weekend is the first weekend that I'm like really diving into it. I'm starting to go through stuff. I think that what I'm going to find is that like most of these boxes that are in my garage, if they're not family, like heirloom kind of things or like childhood things, they're going to be the boxes that are left behind every time you move somewhere where like you just say tape together this box and just throw all the loose shit in it. I think that's going to be what half of these boxes are. Welcome to my basement. I think that's what the, I think that's what this is going to be for me. And so I need to start just going through that. But I think that that's like, I think all of that is like, I don't know. I like am not anywhere near convinced that this is like where I'm going to like put roots down, quote unquote. Like that's not something I'm worried about, but it's more so just like I haven't had that stability before. And so like I want to get involved in like 
community-ish things like what that means and what that looks like i don't know like i'm not saying i want to like go out here and like do anything crazy but like i don't know like maybe i'll go do things that i'm not used to doing and try to meet people that aren't just people i work with and all of that kind of stuff like maybe that's what 2024 is for and so we'll see how that goes so all of that is to say finding like comfort and the stability and not trying to uproot that um my therapist loves talking about that with me so trying to create some stability and being okay with the stability and just kind of rolling with the punches yeah that's that's 2024 for me i hope also going through all that stuff will make it easier when you do eventually move again no that's actually the main motivation but i am i'm telling you and this is because here's the piece you all will know all of the things that are happening in my life. If there's ever things happening related to me moving again, I can't take a job somewhere that isn't grand Valley. That isn't going to pay for my relocation entirely, which includes paying people to move my shit. Like I can't do it anymore. I know I'm not old. I'm 26. I know I'm not old. I don't think that you can really say that you're like too old to move until you're like in your mid sixties. Like you could do it. Like, there are tools, there are things, you could do it. I don't want to do it. I would not like that for myself. So if if you are a part of my life when this is happening, and Laura will be, but this is you as listeners, you're required to make sure I don't accept a job that doesn't give me a relocation. Deal? Deal. Deal. Cause, Great, okay. Because also I'm not moving you again <laughs> i would never do that to you today is the year anniversary or two-year anniversary of me testing positive for covid yes i remember that day well oh god trapped as in you, a dorm room as you texted me and said hey we just spent the last week together bad news boss <laughs> i have covid <laughs> and you sure did you didn't find out until like your freaking quarantine period was almost over anyway but yeah i didn't find out until i no longer had covid but that was back when you would test and it would be like a million days before there was a major surge at the beginning of 2022 mm-hmm. um anywho we're not also Wasn't that due- when like omicron came out and there was like not far from it i think probably there was like a new variant Maybe. or whatever yeah um there's also that. a surge right now too but here like, we are. Here we are. 2024. <laughs> Double vaccine boosted. So I feel I, good. I think the thing that is alarming most about this, and then we can transition to actually talking about the thing that our podcast is about, is that it's called COVID-19 because 19 is the year in which it was first. And it's 2024. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that's wild. I know it didn't really become a thing until 2020 in the United States, but that's insane to think about. Uh I don't want to think about it too much more. So we're going to move on. Welcome to generational trauma. Goodness. Well, speaking of generational trauma, the Columbus Blue Jackets (laughs) uh, are still a hockey team and you're still a fan of them. And that's why you listen to this podcast. So again, we're not telling you anything that you don't already know. There's really not, a ton of stuff it's hard right like i think that we've had this issue before (laughs) where like you've run out of things to talk about because it's just a lot of the same it's just a lot of the same and there are things that happen throughout the course of games where yeah like we can talk a little bit about it we'll talk a little bit about some different things today i'm sure but i think a lot of the message is still the same right and it's that yeah this is a team that's 
playing as if they're toward the bottom of the NHL. Uh, and they're playing in a way that obviously highlights some of their key injuries, Zach Wierenski, right? Like, I mean, like that's Boone Jenner, but all of that is to say, then you get these glimpses of hope, like you did against Philadelphia on Thursday, where the Blue Jackets find a way to win, and that's awesome, and that's good. And you could pick away little nuggets of that win that feel maybe a little bit different than the last win. What was it about this game that got you this win? What was it about, you know, the game against Toronto that got you the win? Those things are are going to be different, right? And actually, maybe that's a poor example because I think some of those are there's some similarities there. Part of it is. Well, you came back, you were down, you fought, you didn't let yourself break. I think maybe what we've learned over the course of the last few games is the key is to start by losing. Is that the key? <laughs> no, probably not. But but it this, has been in the case of the two been, wins that we've had since we last recorded in both Toronto and with Philadelphia. They've been resilient, yeah. And it feels like it's, you know been it's been fun to see how they handle themselves in those situations like those are the learning moments right like when we talked about that earlier in the season when we got frustrated about how often we were using that term to justify everything that we were experiencing as a team and as fans you know you looked at okay results like tonight right where or thursday i should say where the the Jackets are down 2 nothing in the third period and they find a way, no matter how they do it, to tie it up because their goaltender standing on their head and they win the game in a shootout because they they fought, right? Like they came back. That is a learning moment that this team needs to put in the bank, right? Those are the things, the game against Toronto, those are the things that this team needs to put in the bank. The rest of it, goldfish, not a learning opportunity. And it's not to say that you can't develop through every everything, but I, I care a lot more about these learning moments that result in wins right now. And I want that to be the, the mentality that this team has, the mentality that these young players have. What else are you getting out of this? Like, what else, Laura, are you getting out of what's happening in Columbus right now with the Jackets, with this young core, who's, who's finally maybe starting to show some glimpses of hope, even amidst all these all these L's that we keep racking up. Yeah. And we, we do, we do keep racking them up. I mean, we did see a little bit of a change um, in the lineup this week after the horrendous loss against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday, Um, just sort of mixing the lines around a little bit um, with the exception of Cole Cylinder's line. And of course the Russian line um, basically mixing around, uh, the first and fourth. Um, but, and we've seen a few people come in. Matthew Olivier came back in uh, tonight or Thursday night against Philadelphia. Um, and so we're still sort of like, we're slowly piecing things together, uh, which is good. So we've got lines that are finding some stability and finding success with each other. So that's really nice, but it's just, it's hard to balance out, like you said, it's hard to balance out the games where, because obviously I think they probably do learn something from each loss. Like, even if it's the same lesson again and they're just learning it the hard way, like, I do think they probably take something away from those games. But I 
like you said, I do think they're taking a lot more away from these games that like, no matter how they happen or like what circumstances had to come into play and they pull off a win in some weird fashion, which we saw both against Toronto last Friday and um, last night on uh, against Philadelphia, like, because they, they're getting rewarded for their perseverance And, like, I think that is something that's really necessary for this team right now Um, because in situations where they are doing really, really well at the beginning, they don't have the opportunity to get rewarded in the first and second periods. So, like, it's easier for them to lose momentum and, like, everything, like, everything goes to shit. But then when they find their momentum and they don't give up in like the second half of the second period or in the third period, like against Philly, like they do get to get that reward at the end. So you almost want, you almost want to do this thing where it's like, you see those cartoons of like people put their pets on like a treadmill or like in a hamster wheel and they just like dangle a treat like in front of them to motivate them to keep going and like walking forward. And you just want to kind of remind them that that hypothetical like treat is there. They just have to keep reaching for it. And then when they do what they're supposed to do and they don't give up chasing it, we will lower the treat down and they can get rewarded. But it's just like you said, I guess it does pay off to start losing to start the game losing and then work their way back um and sort of shift when their momentum starts even if those first two periods are super frustrating because you're like what the hell are you doing like why are you playing like this like why you know sort of situations or like you see people on the internet they're like typical blue jackets like you know shitting the bed all this sort of stuff um But then you come out for the third period and you're like, this sucks. We're not having fun. Like, we got to change something. And you change something and then you're able to um, come away with a win. Or as they said tonight, that they (laughs) stole two points. Or last night, when you're listening to this, stole two points in Philadelphia. Um, So, yeah, it's a very, like, reverse situation that I think most teams find themselves in. Um, And, of course, we would be, like, the unique special egg in this basket this year where it just nothing makes sense, even our success, when we have it. Um, But, yeah, and I'm just – I'm seeing things, like we said, like Adam Fantilli um, marked over 20 minutes of ice time tonight, um, which is definitely one of his higher games, which is great to see because he's really – finding his confidence and, you know, you're just seeing more and more of these little combinations where you're like, that's good. Like they're not doing technically what we want them to do, but like there's a little shot of brightness. Um, But all I can really say as far as like what I would like to see differently right now is just stop being in the penalty box, like our penalty kill is great. It's great. But in the small chance when it's not, 
those power play goals that the other team gets typically fuck us over. Like, and they're, they come in really bad times and it's just an unfortunate circumstance because our power play is so good right now. Well, um, penalty, penalty kill. Oh yes, sorry. Penalty <laughs> I kill was like, no, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> I was like, why are you arguing with me? But no, I misspoke. I apologize. Um, I wish. I wish. Yeah, that would be great. But because we are just taking a lot of penalties, and we've been getting a lot of weird ones. Like literally up until this year, I had maybe one time seeing a blue, a blue jacket get called for um what is it like exaggerating or what's it called embellishment embellishment thank yeah. you um embellishment when they fall to the ice or whatever and we've gotten it like two or three times this year and i'm like i think these refs are taking a lot of liberty with certain things cuz there's definitely other players on other teams that far more embellish when they take a, a penalty and never get called on it. But for some reason, these refs have been picking on Columbus. And there was, I think it was recently, there was a game where Adam Fantilli literally could not do anything right in the ref's eyes. Like he was getting happened, called. It's happened to him a couple of times. I feel like where he just cannot catch a break. Well, they're just like, we dislike this kid. So we're just going to call him for every single thing that he does maybe they're anaheim fans and they're like mad yeah better that they went with leo carlson yeah well, it's interesting too because like i've also i think i've seen him at some point this year and maybe i'm making this entirely up i think i've seen him at some point this year actually like advocate to an official that like he didn't get high sticks like that it was his own stick that caused him to like get hit in the face so i'm not sure what that's about but Nevertheless, but anyway, so Laura, clearly something has to shift, right? Like from game in, game out, because we're finding ways to, you know, rack up these results here and there. What do you think is different? Because I, I don't know that I would say it's necessarily because of, you know, this idea of like flipping the script and like trying to, we oversimplified that quite a bit because that's just like who we are as people, especially when we talk on the show, like the answer is somewhere in the middle of this. The answer is that the blue jackets need to find a way to play with the lead and also find ways to win when they're behind. There have been some players who have really impressed me where this was game 40 tonight. And, you know, Obviously, we do more of like a all-star break kind of montage of looking at where all the players are at, how they're scoring, where we think they're going to end up at the end of the season. So I don't necessarily think we need to go by uh, player by player. But yeah, I, I just what in your mind has what who has stood out to you? in these first 40 games as being a player who has brought it this year, who has been somebody who the Jaggers have relied on and maybe, maybe you weren't expecting it. I think I'm going to go with an uncommon answer. Cause obviously I could say Adam Fentilli. That's pretty much a given, but I think it's someone who's changed my opinion of them from last year to this year. And who is in my opinion, like, finally showing the things that we were told that we would get from them 
um, when they brought them to Columbus um, is Erica Branson. Um, I think he's been a very effective um, all-around player for us this year. Um, obviously, he's showing a lot more of the grit and the tenacity and the like literal fight uh, that we were told that we would get when acquiring him um, right before we acquired Johnny Gaudreau. Um, he also has just proven himself to be like a really good voice in the room. Obviously he was awarded an A at the beginning of this season. Um, but he just seems like someone that the younger players really look up to and can feel comfortable going to him for advice or help with learning, a, you know, something in a game or a new technique or something like that. Um, and he's just overall like, so much more of his personality has been able to come out too. And he just seems like a really great guy um, who just loves playing hockey and actually really likes playing in Columbus. Um, And that has been able to be shown so much more this season than it was in his first season. And my opinion has just really changed about him. Cause if you would have asked me last, you know, April, May, I would have been like, this is a terrible contract. Like I, we shouldn't have him. Like he's not doing anything for the team. Um, and it just proves that sometimes, you know, players need a little bit of time before they can find their rhythm and find their place uh, on a new team. And thankfully he has, cause I think, you know, while we're not playing great, um, I think some games would have been really different without him. So I think he's probably the one I'm most impressed with thus far out of like what I would assume most people would think I would say. So Erica Branson. Yeah. I mean, I think Goody is, has definitely shown us why he was brought to Columbus. I think that he has at least demonstrated that he can be this leader within the locker room. He has demonstrated that he can be a leader on the ice and that he can stand up for guys when need be. You know, I think that unfortunately, due to where our roster is, a player like Matthew Olivia has gotten kind of like lost in the fold here and there at times. And I think that this team really relied on him as an enforcer and as a presence on the ice when, you know, things would go down or whatever have you. And I say, I think that now that that player doesn't really exist for the Jackets consistently, obviously he's in and out of the lineup, but when he's not in the lineup, Erica Branson has stepped up, I think, to be a little bit of that. And that's been helpful. He's not necessarily going to always drop the gloves. He's definitely less likely to do it than Matthew Olivier is. But nevertheless, I think that he's he's found a space on this team and he's found a role on this team that is really, really positive for him. I, you know, I think the other player who I think has been a real standout for me in these first 40 games and, you know, here and there, out of the lineup, maybe injured or otherwise, he's really come on over the course of the last few weeks. And that's Igor Chinnikov. I think that, you know, he has been able to play such a responsible game. It has seemed, at least from my eyes, while also still finally finding that offensive prowess that we all kind of knew he had. But I think the thing that I've been most impressed by is like, even like a play like tonight, you know, 
Uh, I can't remember what point in the game it is. I think it's the third period. I could be mistaken. But Philadelphia has an odd man rush, and uh, or maybe it was an overtime even, where Chinnikov is able to get back, and he actually, you know, deflects the puck out of play when a pass is made across the slot to try to connect on that odd man rush and he sticks his stick out he gets back on the on the back check and and he is lights out that's the kind of stuff that i think you're you you're excited to see from chinnikov i think you're you're hoping that he can continue to develop into a player that can play a responsible 200 foot game while also providing you with those offensive sparks i think that if he can his full potential to me is a lot like that of, I would say, I mean, it's kind of topical because he was just named an all-star today, but similar to an Oliver Bjorkstrand to me. Like if he can find that place in his game where it's like, he's always going to be consistent. I've compared him to him before, especially when I've talked about their utilization throughout the lineup. I think that if he can continue to develop, he's going to turn into that kind of a player for the Jackets. And and guess what? That's a player that we have missed since he has been since he was traded to Seattle. And so, uh, also if you haven't yet watched his All Star Game <laughs> clip, because he, I think it might have been a bit, and maybe it wasn't. I don't know, but he kind of gave off mad vibes because a lot of these guys are obviously like he gets asked, "Oh, hey, like, what's your?" you know what's your plans for the all-star break like and he's like oh you know somewhere warm with the wife and kid and uh you know just got the airbnb booked and i think it was i think it was dave hextall i think it was his head coach was like can you can you cancel that airbnb like do you have a cancellation policy for that airbnb and it's just funny to watch so if you haven't watched that yet do yourself a favor and go and check that out the one player too that i think has really stood out and a very short sample size, so like take it all with a grain of salt, but really impressed by the way that Daniil Tarasov played tonight or Thursday night, especially uh, you know against Philadelphia. There were a lot of moments. To the Jackets' credit, I actually think that they did a pretty good job. I mean, like this game was boring, and I think it goes back to like what I've talked about before, where it's like I think when this team plays the style of game that pascal vincent wants them to play like it's a boring style it keeps everything to the outside it limits the chances on your goaltender and when they do that effectively this is the kind of game we get right like and thankfully they're able to find the offense in the third period but the reason that they're able to wait until the third period to turn it on to flip that switch to let that (laughs) that treat drop as you described it in your metaphor earlier is because Daniil Tarasov made a lot of really great saves in the first and second period that kept this team in it. And even still in the third period and into overtime was, was lights out and into the shootout, especially stopped all three shots. So again, obviously the sample size is small since he's returned uh, from injury. You know, his numbers still are not good. uh, If you looked at it just from an analytic standpoint for that reason, but you know, he's, he looked really good in this game, especially. And I think that, at some point here in the near future, right? Like the hand has to be forced, doesn't it? Like, I think you're thankfully like they're in this place where from a cap space perspective, like they're not, they're not pressed to make a move. They don't have to make a move. They don't have to do anything they don't want to right now, but from a carrying three goaltenders and trying to figure out where you're going from here, you've got to want to figure that out soon, especially in a league that is riddled with teams that could use some depth in net. And I'm not saying that it has to be Elvis Merzlikens 
Spencer Martin is another player who you've alluded to being somebody who the Jackets paid zero dollars for, uh, or I guess I should say they pay his salary, but like who gave up nothing to get. So, you know, I where do you go from here? Like when Tarasov finally shows us maybe that he's starting to catch on, like we can have the debate whether or not you go Terry or Elvis one or two. Like, I don't, we don't need to have that conversation tonight, but you know, when I think about how this is all going to shape out, Tarasov playing well is going to force a hand, I think sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. We all know how I feel about goaltenders. Um, But I think that they're still being a little bit cautious with him. Um, they obviously, I think, are happy with the performances that he's given us in the, sh- the small amount of time that he's been back. Um, but I think that they would be sort of putting the cart before the horse if they weren't being cautious with him, um, just because based on his history and based on the kinds of injuries that he's had in the short time that he's been in the profession- in the National Hockey League, like you kind of you don't want to rush it. And all this sort of stuff. But you're not wrong about the fact that, like, we can't hold we can't hold on to three goaltenders for forever. Like, we technically don't have to do anything right now. Um, but we are going to have to do something pretty soon, whether it be at the trade deadline or at least at the, you know, in the offseason. Like, and obviously, like, Spencer Martin's contract will end. So it's not like... Um, that could just be a natural thing, but it's just going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I think um, it's just, it's just a lot of interesting decisions and a lot of contemplation about how confident they're feeling like moving forward with different things and you know, obviously my loyalty lies with Elvis, but like, I'm also not dumb. Like, again, like I said a couple of weeks ago, like he's going to have to be involved if he moves. So like that sort of makes me feel a little bit better if that is the circumstance where he gets traded. Um, but you know, my, my first choice is always going to be that he is able to stay and he's able to find success in Columbus. It's just, it's such a hard thing with three goaltenders because you just, no one can get an adequate amount of playing time. Yes. They're getting more practice time with the rotation, but you know, we're still falling into those things. Like, you know, something is also happening with Elvis too, which I know people are going to, and cause they have on social media, like, he's been getting sick pretty regularly. Like, and a couple of times this season, he's had to leave games because he's been getting sick. And, you know, we don't know what type of illness it is, obviously, but like to have to leave a game, like it's something pretty urgent. um, If that's how he's feeling that he's willing to, you know, up and leave a game after a period or two. So, you know, that's obviously a concern um, as well. And again, like I said, like, I think they would be dumb to not handle Terry with like a bit of kitty gloves just to make sure that he doesn't get injured again. Um, And then, yeah, like Spencer Martin, like poor Spencer Martin basically gets the shit end of the stick. Like he either has to come in 
And like after Terry or Elvis has left or he has to battle in front of teams that just like slaughter him. And so it just, you know, looks like, cause what did, what did you say Bob McGilligan said the other night? He was mad at Spencer Martin. Oh yeah. He was. Yeah. I mean, he was, Oh, I can't even remember what he said. I have to go look at our text messages because I know I texted you about it when he said it, but yeah, Bob, Bobby Mack was, was mad. (laughs) It was, I forget which goal it was after, but he was definitely a little frustrated, but yeah, I, I think, that man i i also have to tell you that i laughed way too hard and i know i'm a child because of you saying quote the shit end of the stick when you know illness could be because <laughs> everyone keeps thinking that elvis is shitting his pants on the ice and which that's is funny like to, to call it the shit end of the stick is really funny to me but oh yeah where he really got fed up though was when the jackets were down 3-1 to the bruins and he said, quote, you're down two lines and you're putting out Gonce's line, thinking they're going to get a goal. It should be a steady flow of Goudreau, Fantilli. And so that was where he was really frustrated. But yeah, he definitely said something to the effect of Martin's got to have that or something along those lines uh, when Spencer Martin gave up that one goal. But I mean, he's obviously the odd man out. Like he's the guy, like you said, whose contract is not, you know, held by the Jackets or the jackets are really like not as committed or as invested in his development. So Mm -hmm. there's not really any love loss there. And that's like no hard feelings to Spencer Martin. That's just a product of, you know, Terry is a, is a system guy. He's a guy who's come up through the system. Their priority is going to be on developing him, not on Spencer Martin. They're going to pick the goaltender. They think can give them the best chance to win. And if Spencer Martin can demonstrate that he is that. Okay. I don't know that any Blue Jackets goaltender has shown me over the course of this season that they are solidly 100% the answer. So, like, I don't think Spencer Martin's done a lot there for his case, but he's had moments. They all three have. So we'll continue to see how this plays out. But nevertheless, Daniil Tarasov, really good outing against Philadelphia, and we'll see how things shape up. Obviously, I'm assuming, you know, Elvis was was backing up – Spencer in Columbus when they played Boston. And so I'm assuming that obviously Elvis is still again, kind of like resting and recuperating from whatever illness. I think that that's probably why they had, um, they had Spencer Martin travel with the team to Philadelphia to back up Terry tonight. So I'm not going to read too much into that. I don't think anybody else should. Yeah. I think uh, Elvis will probably start on Saturday against Minnesota. Um, It's a home game. Like, that's you know a good time to let him do his thing and get back in there it'll be it'll be interesting to see if tarasov gets the call though i'll be interested to see if they reward him with a home game for the way he played because i mean like they always say ride the hot hand right like ride the hot hand you can't say that he's not kind of that after that game against philadelphia so we'll see I, i it could honestly it feels like a coin flip to me i won't be surprised either way I, the only way I'd be surprised is if Spencer Martin starts. Like I will be surprised at that point, but for now I'm going to assume that either Elvis or, or Terry are starting and 
to your point, I'm cool with either. So we'll see where that goes. But needless to say, none of those guys are the Blue Jackets all-star. Um, <laughs> not a single one of those guys is going to be making the way to Toronto to participate in the 2024 NHL all-star game. But as we alluded to a little bit earlier with our little poking fun at game that we played at the beginning of the show, uh, Boone Jenner will be the Blue Jackets representative at the 2024 NHL All-Star Game. He was informed on Thursday by General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. If you've missed the video, go check that out. It's a cool one. Uh, it's a funny one. Uh, so go go check that out. But uh, Laura, obviously the reaction is uh, it's surprising, I think, to a lot of people that Boone Jenner was named the cap. Or Excuse me. That wasn't very surprising. That actually made a lot of sense when it happened that he was named the Blue Jackets representative to the All-Star Game. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that that's any in any way, shape or form uh, demerit to the way that Boone has played this year when he's been in the lineup. I think it's just that I don't think a lot of people were thinking about Boone. He's injured. The timeline kind of iffy on if he would make it back in time for the All-Star game. Like it's he will make it back for the All-Star game. But like in the back of your head, when you're thinking about All-Stars, you're probably not thinking about him. You've had players that have really started to shine over the course of this season um, you know that obviously the NHL is all about Connor Bedard. So you wonder, oh, are they going to like pick Adam Fantilli to be the Blue Jackets representative? He could be like, honestly, like there have been a lot of moments in the season where you could say he's been the Blue Jackets best player and that wouldn't be a stretch. So I think my question to you is who did you think it was going to be? And are you more comfortable with the fact that it's Boone than you would have been if it was the person you thought it was going to be. So I anticipated that if they were going to go like sort of safe with it because Boone is injured, because typically I think what's throwing people off is that injured players don't typically get chosen to be all-stars because they're not currently playing and like that's just kind of a universal thing. Um, so you don't really like think about it. Cause the only reason why players like don't participate in the all-star game is because they typically get injured right before it happens. And so then it's like they have to forfeit participation or whatever. I think um, there I think there are some of them that get quote unquote hurt before the all-star game, but that's neither here nor there. Right. But um, so I don't, I think that's why, and I'll talk a little bit more about sort of the shift that you saw on social media tonight after Boone was chosen. But, um, for me, if they were going to go safe kind of in that way, the pick just because of who he is, like, I definitely thought that they were going to pick Johnny again and have him be the representative, um, you know, cause he has been previously, um, with the exception of this year, obviously where he had some struggles, like he has previously been an all-star caliber player and he definitely was last year for the blue jackets and represented us well. Um, you know, those types of things. Um, but, and I thought if they were, you know, going to kind of go kind of, kind of outside the box, like it would have been Adam Fantilli, like, because to have like, the number one and the number three there. Cause you know, of course, Connor Bernard gets to say now that he's the youngest all-star player ever in the NHL. Um, I mean, Adam wouldn't have been that anyway. Cause he's like 
three months older than Connor Bedard or something like that. Um, it's not very much, but you know, so I think it was just sort of like a weird, and I know like, cause I would have loved this too. Like I would have absolutely loved this. I know a lot of Blue Jackets fans were hoping that Kirill Marchenko would be chosen um, as our all-star because we're all so familiar with his, like, obviously his performance and his stats and his attitude and, like, how funny he is and how he would have so much fun and be such a good personality at the all-star game. But I don't think that that has translated yet into the greater like NHL world. Do I think that it won't at some point? No, it's definitely going to happen. Like he's definitely going to take, you know, the NHL world by storm. Um, But it just, it hasn't happened yet. And that's okay because, you know, last year he wasn't eligible because he was, he had played in the AHL for a certain number of games. And like, obviously this year he's coming so much more into his own, Um, but that's just not known yet, um, across the board and probably to a lot of the people that are in charge of picking who represents each team. Um, so like, I know a lot of people were disappointed. It's just, you can definitely see, um, how people were processing the situation. Cause again, so much of like the diehard fifth line were like, Marchie, 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 or like Adam or whatever. And then, so when... (laughs) When Boone was announced, there was a lot of like, what? Why? Boone's injured. Like all this sort of stuff. Like, and then you slowly, like the video came out of Yarmo, like telling him. And it's a very funny, sweet video. Like Boone walks into Yarmo's office. And the first thing he says is, so how's talking going with your jaw wired shut? And he, you can hear him sort of muffly go, you know, it's getting better. It's getting better for sure. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, you sweet boy. Um, and then you start to realize like how deserving of, and I did it and like so many other people started to realize like how actually deserving of this honor Boone is and that it's his first ever, you know, all-star game. You know, he, and I said it on our Twitter, like, Boone Jenner embodies so much of what we all feel it means to be a Blue Jacket. He's now the longest, you know, tenured player um, in franchise history. He's the captain. Like, he still is tied in goals with Marchenko at 13. So, and that's even with him not playing for the last few weeks. So, and I think that just got overshadowed by that simple fact of like, he's injured right now and he's not playing. So he's not at the forefront of people's minds. Um, so you really saw that shift and you even saw people like transition from being like, what the fuck? Like, why isn't it this person to like either posting another tweet or getting rid of previous tweets and like then congratulating Boone and being very happy that he's going to represent us and all this sort of stuff. So it was just like this weird amalgamation of like people realizing, oh, he actually does deserve it. And this is going to be great. And we're excited from like, oh my God, what the fuck sort of circumstances. But personally for me, like 
I'm very excited. I think he's very deserving. I love now that he's going to get reunited with Oliver Bjorkstrand um, as Ollie got, you know, um, is going to be representing Seattle. So I just think it's great. And he will be like Yarmo confirmed, like he will be ready to participate. His job will be unwired uh, by the time he needs to go to Toronto. And, you know, for the kind of quiet and, you know, strong leader that Boone is, I think for him, because he even says in the video, he's like, I didn't think I'd ever get this opportunity. And he's a workhorse. Like he works so hard and he loves playing for this team um, that I just, I think it's well-deserved. So I think people have, have come around. Um, and also like I made sure to mention like, um, the league picks one person from each team, but then the fans have the opportunity to vote in the remaining 12 players. So like, if you really want to see Adam or Marchie, like, you know, start just campaigning now because you can start voting now, um, for, you know, spots of those remaining 12. Um, so, you know, Boone might not be the only blue jacket, that gets to represent at the, the all-star weekend, but I am very happy. Um, and I can't wait to see, um, if he gets to compete in any of the newly arranged, like challenges, cause they're doing them very differently this year. And yeah. we can talk about that when we get closer to, mm-hmm. um, the game, but, and just to see him have fun and like, there's so many cool things that they get to do when they go to all-star weekends. Um, and probably he's going to have some awkward moments on the red carpet and I'm going to live for that. Um, and you know, he's about to become a dad too. So like what a cool, just like experience he and his wife can have and his family. Cause it's going to be up near where he grew up. So his like family will be able to come and, all that sort of stuff. I know. I like how the Ontario guy was like, oh, it's in, where is it at? Is it Toronto? Like Mm. he asked Yarmo. Like, and I was like, you know, you know where it is. (laughs) You knew, you knew. You've secretly been like, hey, you've been circle this this whole time on the calendar. Correct. Um, He did not book an Airbnb the same way that Oliver Bjorkstrand did for, for vacation. I just think Oliver needs to adjust his arrival date because he can definitely go from Toronto to wherever, somewhere warm, because it's the start of the All-Star break is the weekend. So they'll still have that week afterwards. Well, and some teams do take it differently, though. Like some teams are on the back end of it. Some teams are on the front end of it. So I think is if if we're the same as Seattle, then yeah. But if Seattle has the opposite schedule, they'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. He'll he'll work his way into somewhere warm, I'm sure. Yeah, he could go there and then just cut it short and go to Toronto or what have you. But Exactly. Well, I was still somewhat recovering from being deathly ill and having to leave the game against Toronto on the 30th. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Laura, um, the guys were not sick. On the 31st, the guys uh, generally seem to be feeling pretty good because uh, you, again, you're the correspondent here. I am not because I was still recovering from my illness, but you get to be the little bit in, the informant for us. Talk to us a little bit about what the, the guys' New Year's plans look like. 
Yeah, so a unique opportunity where the Blue Jackets actually weren't playing on New Year's Eve. Um, that's been kind of the tradition the last few years, but they had the um, odd game off and they weren't playing until Tuesday. So the Blue Jackets actually put together with, a, I believe, the help of the Lady Jackets, um, if you're not familiar, are the wives and girlfriends of um, players on the team. This ski-themed New Year's Eve party where um, they all dressed up in like various forms of ski attire. Um, the Russians really like this was their opportunity to bust out all of the fuzzy hats um, and just full on like interesting versions like um, Boone and his wife were dressed in like eighties ski attire in neon colors and stuff like that. Um, you know, Patrick Line was there in his full like, garb that I'm sure is very expensive uh, based on his taste in clothing. Um, and it was just all ski themed. Like they had a, an ice sculpture, like shot luge, like where they would take shots from the ice sculpture. Um, I told Jeremy that they were doing shot skis, which is a ski that has four shot glasses on it. Um, a funny, a very funny picture is, Johnny and Boone doing a shot ski with their pregnant wives. And then like the caption that says, don't worry, the wives were drinking juice um, sort of scenario. Also funny because Boone is significantly taller than Johnny. So there's like a height differential that you have to account for. Um, and just sort of like, you know, pictures of Adam Fantilli popping champagne bottles and helping Boone, um, you know, pour the champagne tower and just like a really fun time. Like not the whole team was there, um, but a good majority of them were there and just looked like they had a nice time and they were able to relax and just enjoy the holiday. Um, Cause yes, they did get that little break for Christmas, but um, I think for sure in a situation where like the season has been rough and it's been rough on everyone and you know, they don't often get this little extra bit of time where they can, you know, have a night out with their significant others and with their team. Um, I just think it was a really nice gesture and they all looked like they had a good time and they all looked ridiculous. Um, just Google like Marchie's outfit because he looked like full blown, just tundra fur, all that sort of stuff. And it was adorable. But it was nice to see the guys being able to have fun all together. That's always a win. Those are the kind of moments where you actually see this team start to come together. And, like, you're looking at what are probably going to be a large number of guys who are around for a prolonged period of time. Like, the more that these guys can connect and and befriend one another and grow together in this way and the social element, because that's just as important in a lot of ways. So that way when they are on the ice, they feel comfortable with each other. They can make it happen. It's part of the reason why the Russian line has worked, right? Because there's a comfortability there. There's a familiarity there. And so the more and more that they're able to do these kind of things, the better. And so kudos to them. Good on them for knowing how to have fun. And yeah, big shout out to, I'm going to blame Trans-Siberian Orchestra for the fact that they actually had 
the opportunity to not uh, play on New Year's Eve because they were there the night before. So, um, you know, always a good time to see. And yeah, the Russian mafia was real. It's <laughs> intense. They they really they knew the assignment and outdid themselves for sure. As they often do. As they often do. Is this Chinny wearing a dinosaur ho- hoodie or a dinosaur beanie? I believe, yes. I'm just like extra cognizant of his choices in I mean, he's been making some unique ones, but again, I think that's him being more comfortable and letting his personality shine through. Just looking to see, are there any Santa's packages? Nope, not this time. Way to clean up the act, buddy. A little bit more respectful for a team-sanctioned event. Correct, but... Well, Laura, the one other thing that I had on my radar, and we can maybe, like, I kind of want to touch on it maybe a little bit more in a future episode, maybe around the time that we don't have as much content going on for the Jackets, but uh, the PWHL is off and running, and they have been experiencing major success in terms of attendance and atmosphere and quality of competition. And so really, I just wanted to say, without diving too deeply into all of the the statistics of, of how many people I think there was a little bit over 8,500 at the game in, was it in Toronto that set the record for the largest? Maybe it wasn't Toronto. It was one, obviously it was, it was Boston. Okay. Boston um, set the record for the largest attended professional women's hockey event, like in North America. Like, so, I mean, like that's cool, right? Like we're starting to see, a a real interest and a real passion for women's hockey. And I am really excited to see what this professional league turns into. And I'm hoping that having one allows, and we've talked about this, hopefully having one allows for the more mainstream audiences to, to take note of what the PWHL is. The product seems like it's really good. People are really buying into it. And so I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, me too. And I would love to do a deeper dive. Um, on the league and as they get further into their season. Um, I did watch two of the um, inaugural puck drops and they were like very emotional to just be able to see these women who have worked just as hard as their male counterparts um, in this, you know, sport that they love to finally be getting the opportunity to play professionally. Um, Particularly like Patrice Bergeron uh, dropped the puck uh, for the Boston game. And he had his kids out there with him and like his young daughter who, you know, just that him being able to have them there to like help launch history was just such a big deal. And I super loved that the two like captains of each team, like after the ceremonial puck drop was over, they gave each other a hug. Like, because you could just tell how excited they are to have this opportunity. And I think, I think that's so great. And I think that they start, I hope, I hope that they start getting the attention that they deserve um, so that this league can grow. And, you know, much like we've seen at the NHL, like anything's possible. So as it continues to grow and get attention, like hopefully more teams will get added um, and hopefully we can get one a little bit closer to us um, because there aren't really any, mid, there aren't any Midwest teams um, right now. So I love to see something just a tiny bit closer um, so we could get to a game or two. But 
very excited for the ladies, but we will definitely do a deeper dive um, on the PWHL um, here soon, probably. My toxic idea is that we both cheer for different PWHL teams. We're free agents. We're free agents. So, like, there's no, like, I have no allegiance to any PWHL team right now. Like, I'm just excited about the league. I think as I continue to watch and see it happen, like, we're both going to, like, find allegiances. We're both going to, like, and it's going to happen naturally. And I can't wait to see if we end up rooting for the same team. Challenge accepted. I don't think we will. It's a one in six chance. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You won't pick Toronto. I know that. Probably not. Yeah. Or Boston. Probably not. I'm feeling like you're going to pick Minnesota. We shall see. Feels like the closest thing to Midwest. They're kind of Midwesty. Kind of. They're like they're like the cold Midwest. It's like still the Midwest and like they still kind of have that like Midwest niceness. Well, to they're them. actually technically more Midwest than Ohio is. I saw a TikTok about this the other day. It was like <laughs> America's like naming of its areas doesn't make any sense because it's not actually what it is. Like, no, they're like, what's considered the Midwest is actually just like inland East. Like it's way closer to being an East coast situation than it is to being the middle of the country. Um, and then they're like things that are considered West, like aren't actually West. They're actually middle. Um, and like places that should be considered the Midwest are like just not at all associated because um, there's really no reason why Ohio should be considered the Midwest because we're not even close to being in the middle. The, um, only, the only thing I can think of is that at one point in, in America's history, like state wise, it has to, it has to do the with the acquisition of everything to the west of the Mississippi River. Like, Oh. So it has to do with that and those land deals and all that sort of stuff. Um, because in theory, back then, they land, weren't... Quote, unquote, land deals. Okay. <laughs> yes. But like, in theory, back then, they weren't exactly great at knowing how far or how big things were. So like, they didn't know when they, quote, unquote, acquired everything to the west of the Mississippi, how expansive that was, technically. So instead of like maybe doubling the land, they kind of tripled the land if you look at where the dividing lines are. So it's all askew. But again, much like time, sometimes property lines are a social construct and sometimes not sometimes, all the time, property ownership is complicated. That's a good way to put it. And you know, we should learn more from Pocahontas songs. So sometimes um, in American history, we've been genocidal maniacs. Yes. Breaking news. <laughs> in case you're new to living. Here we are. Yes. We are. Um, that thing that they taught you was quote unquote manifest destiny when you were a kid. <laughs> Bad news. It's actually really fucked up. <laughs> that thing that sounded cool when you were like eight. Super fucked. <laughs> Not actually cool. Arguably the least cool. Correct. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, um, you saw weird things on TikTok. And so therefore I have to tell you that we have a TikTok. We do. You have to tell them or you want me to tell them? No, I have to tell you that we have a TikTok. Laura, we have a TikTok. Can you tell the people about it? 
Oh, yes, I can. After I, I tell them where else they can follow us. Sure. I um, guess that matters. You can follow our personal uh, Twitter X accounts um, at ITR Jeremy and ITR Laura. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. We also have a website, subjectlyspeaking.com. Uh, we also have a merch store where you can get some sweet stuff with our logo on it. Eventually, we'll probably get some new merch ideas. Um, Jeremy, every once in a while, thinks that we should put some of the weird things that I say um, on shirts. So we'll see. Those may come to fruition. But that's subjectivelymerch.com. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Uh, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Um, and we don't know how the algorithms work. We just know that your likes and stars and subscriptions and listens and all that sort of stuff um, helps to get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring more people to this lovely little community of ours. And we just want to do a little tease and remind everyone that Hockey is for Everyone Night is coming up on Monday, January 15th. And you should probably keep an eye out for your two favorite hockey podcasters with some exciting content opportunities. But that's all we can say for now. So other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. We love a little teaser. We love it. And what are we, if not a tease? So until we get the chance to talk to you all next time, please make sure that you take care of one another, take care of yourselves, and make sure that you remember because, Lord, you cannot forget, especially in the course of the next couple of weeks, the hockey is for everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.